This week we're continuing our water theme with environmental architect Tone Wheeler from Enverona Studio. Now he kicks off the conversation by decoding the colour of water. Got you know, the supposed white, grey and black. Then Better Homes and Gardens' Adam Doval gives his practical tips on getting it right with your water tank at home. Before you start anything, obviously contact your local council and just see what their requirements are when it comes to water tanks. Then Ed Halmaji gives his two bobs worth on water. It starts raining and the water gets released from the cloud and falls through the sky. As it's falling, it comes into contact with a whole lot of things. Let's get into it with architect, author and educator Tone Wheeler, who has an abiding interest in environmentally sustainable design. In other words, he's pro the environment. Now, water tanks, Tone, I mean, people talk about grey water. And what's the difference between grey water uh, and... Then- yeah, we've got you know, the supposed white, grey and black. Town's water that's supplied, which is often purified by having a small amount of chlorine sometimes, or most often fluoride as well, because it really does improve the quality of your teeth. That water, that clean water, you could call it white water. It's essentially town's water. And it's safe to drink. Now, water that might have some contamination in it, which could vary from the roof, or particularly water that comes out of the shower and the basin or the sink, is grey water because it has, it has some contaminants in it. Black water is whenever there is feces or, or urine in it. In other words, anything that comes out of the toilet. It's black. It's definitely polluted for human consumption. You know, water is always a constant concern in, in Australia, even in the suburbs, people's awareness of it is trying to preserve it and, and reuse it. Can we put filters on our systems to try and turn grey water into white water? Absolutely. You do two things to it. Firstly is the suspended solids. It's things like dirt and contaminants, which we can see. You can actually filter that out and then you can get rid of the bacteria by putting UV light into it. Mm-hmm. And so it's a two-stage process. And it's commercially available. It's, you know, you go to any store that's selling water tanks and so on, and they can definitely sell you a filter system to improve the water quality and a UV light. Interesting the way they hook it up. They hook it up so that the water pump that's pumping that water will only work if the UV light's on. There's really? a switch through it, yeah. So you can't, by accident, drink some water that hasn't been filtered. Let's say your UV light goes out and you don't know. What happens is the pump stops. No water. Won't come out. Won't come out. Can't make that safety. mistake. Good safety. The other half of the equation is our lousy gutters. We don't have good gutters because our roofs are designed to have lots of guttering on it, so therefore we keep them cheap. The problem is that the gutter runs all the way around the house and it dips, it goes up and down and there's dead spaces in it, it's got a tennis ball in it, it's got a whole lot of leaves in it and it never gets cleaned out. Okay, don't give us some tips on why we should be using water tanks and the way we design our roofs and gutters. Everybody should have a water tank to take care of half their water use. So you can water the garden to the house content. Then the water tank, make it big enough that you can do a lot with it and then drain it. Use it all the time. As soon as it's rained, it fills up. Use the water a couple of days later. Wash the car. Keep the car washed. Give the kids the pocket money to wash the car with it. <laughs> run it. If you've got a new house, you'd run it through a few things inside the house. But even existing houses, you can run the water. Next thing, get better gutters. When the gutters rust out, put on a bigger, better gutter with an in- integrated leaf guard so that it doesn't get mulch, you know, muck in it. And always service your tanks. You know, Make sure that the pump's working. Make sure that the tank is drained. 
And lastly, the tip, a first flush diverter. It's a thing that goes before the tank. You take the first flush from the roof. That's got the leaves in it. It's got the, the bird poo. It's got all the contaminants and so on, the oils that have caught, fallen out of the sky. You put it into a little tank and you push it out as a first flush diverter. Perfect. I'm overflowing with water ideas with Tone Wheeler from Enverona Design, covering all things water tanks. Hello. Dad. Hey, Pete, how are you, mate? How are you, buddy? What's doing? Oh, uh, not a lot, man. Just doing some form work. All right. We're going to give it a shot. I think we're recording. We'll just, get, we'll see. We'll just start winging it, eh? Yeah, we'll just give it a go. What can go wrong, yeah. Pete, mate? We'll what could possibly it. go wrong? <laughs> we just, just press pause and start again, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Two professionals. Oh, God almighty. Yeah, right, eh? Now, Ad, we've just been talking about, about water tanks. What about the investment and time it takes to recoup some money if people are you know, thinking about putting in a water tank or if they've got one, what they need to keep in mind? Yeah, well, look, I'm not going to lie. When it comes to water uh, being water smart, um, the, the return on investment, it can take a while to recoup. I mean, it can be five years plus. More importantly, I think to point out, the reason why we're being water smart is more for the climate. And it's more for the environment. And I think that's very important for people to understand that, yes, you can save money, but that will take a while uh, to recoup. But um, I think more importantly, it is good for the environment. And obviously, as we all know, there's there's a lot of places, a lot of farmers that are in drought. And so if we, the roof's the best place to collect your water, if we can do that, then I think everyone should jump on board. Mm, we need to be harvesting every drop if we can. I mean, look, rough figures, I suppose, you know, 500 bucks will give you, you know, your basic water tank, but then you've got your, your pumps and your filters and, and all those sorts of things. It's, it's, ad, it's adding up, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly right, Pete. It does add up, and that's why you've really got to decide. It, it, it comes down to everything, like in building, like I say to people in building, and I, and I would guess you would say it the same in architect. It comes down to your lifestyle and what you can afford. So there is a range of tanks, and your average tank is costing around $500 to buy. But then, obviously, you've got the setup fees. If you're not going at the DIY and you can't do it yourself, you know, it can it can cost in excess of, you know, $1,500 to $2,500. Um, because what people have to understand, you're buying a water tank, and there is a range of water tanks. They come in all different shapes and sizes, but it's the weight. So obviously I'm coming from the building side of things. Water weighs. So one litre of water would weigh one kilo. So if you get a slim water 1,000 litre tank, well, that's one tonne. To put that into perspective, what's an average car weigh? Mm. One tonne, yeah? Yeah. So you can't just go throwing in these water tanks just on your side of the house willy-nilly. Yeah. And, you know, if it fills up, that's a lot of weight that you're adding to a side of the house. So people need to be conscious of that and understand that, you know, you're going to be putting down a road base, compacted road base at minimum, um, depending on the size of your tank. And, you know, if you're going um, up to a 1,000 litres plus, I'd be saying pour in a slab reinforcing that concrete and that would be a, a, a very smart move especially yeah. if you're outlaying those costs yeah, to there, buy the tank. There is a bit of engineering as you, as you quite well point out. So run, run us through some tips then, then Ad, if, if people are thinking about putting putting in a tank and we've, we've mentioned that, hey listen you get the Better Homes and Gardens team around there but if you can't, there yeah. are other things to remember. Yeah, there are definitely other things to remember and as I said the foundation is the key point of it because then the other bits and bobs that come with the tank are optional extras really. Um, so you you can collect the water and you can set that up 
higher than your ground level, um, depending on your backyard, so you can have that gravity fed. Um, and if you don't want to, and, and then if you've got more money to invest, then obviously it doesn't have to be gravity fed. You can have that and connect a pump up to it. And then you've got to ask yourself, well, where am I going to be using this water? Is it just going to be outside the house in your gardens or is it going to be inside your house? So starting with the foundations, but Pete, before I go too far, I would say that, you know, it's it's a matter of getting your road base down and I'll be pouring it on a slab. For the cost of concrete, and you know, and getting some reinforced mesh, and it doesn't have to be strong mesh, just your, your standard SL82, 8 mil by 200 squares would be fine mm-hmm. and make it at least a minimum of 75 mil thick if, if you can go up to 100 mil and yeah just put just remove the topsoil put down some uh, 50 mil of compacted uh, road base mm-hmm. and then pour your slab on that with your reinforcement that would be the starting point then you get your tank and as i said you can go on from there absolutely practical tips you've got to build from the ground up a solid base but you know, what are some of the things that perhaps can go wrong ad i'm sure you've seen it all what what, what are some of the things that could go could go right. Things that could go wrong before you start anything, obviously contact your local council and just see what their requirements are when it comes to water tanks because you don't want to have them knocking on your door. That could be a big problem. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, there's not much, it just comes down that the, there's not many cons, it's there's a lot of pros, but it comes down to the maintenance is where things could go wrong. <laughs> so, if you're not keeping an eye on things, if you're protective measures you know, on your water tank, are damaged, then you're going to get pests, you're going to get mosquitoes in, your water quality is not going to be as good. So if you're not keeping an eye on your water quality, keeping an eye on your um, water tank, mm. that's when things can go wrong. But apart from that, it's not too bad. I mean, the only other thing that can go wrong is sometimes you're setting your tank up too small and if you are using the gravity-fed system, You'd say you want to, you know, how you put your tap on the bottom of your tank mm. and then you want to go put a bucket underneath. Well, you can't even fit a bucket underneath because the ground's there. Yes, you're only $100 for course. So you've got some ground. So these are little things to keep in mind. If you want a strict budget, a great little water tank is, you know, those water butts, obviously, that, that which are a really small tank, like a drum. You know the plastic drums? Yeah. You can pick them up for around 20 bucks. Yeah, that's 200 litres of water. You find a downpipe on the side of your house, you get some concrete blocks, so set it up about a foot off the ground, yeah. right? Yep. And then, and then basically you just plumb your pipe into that and then add a, a tap attachment at the bottom and you've got yourself a basic gravity-fed water tank. You've just got to sometimes think outside the box, don't you? And think about it, you could have three of them set up in a row. So all of a sudden from 200 litres, you've gone up to 600 litres, haven't you? Just recapping, mate, when we're, we're, we're harvesting the water from obviously the roof into the tank and then do we need another pipe then potentially goes from the tank back into the house so you can you know, wire it up to your sinks and stuff? Well, that's again, that depends how far you want to take it. So, yes, yep. that's correct. If you want to start using um, your rainwater throughout your house, so say on your toilets, um, on your washing machines, um, then you can get a pump. So, pumps range, your basic pump's probably around $300, um, but that's not going to give you a main switchover, which means that if your rainwater runs out, it switches back to mains water, yep. um, that would be just a pump that you would, you would hook up on the side of your tank and you'd use it outside. Yep. Around Going up to around the $700 plus dollar mark is where you'll get a, um, a mains switchover uh, pump that then you could start using throughout your house. Mm. Um, so you could use it on um, your toilets, uh, you could use it on your washing machines, um, stuff like that. 
Um, definitely not drinking water, but Pete, definitely mm. not drinking water. Well, Tone yeah. actually mentioned the, the, the first flusher as well, because I think that's not a bad point. What are your thoughts on that? Just cleaning out that first sort of top coat, if you will, of, of water with a first flusher. Yes, uh, I couldn't agree more with him. It's a simple thing to, to add on um, and, and a must, I would say, if anyone's thinking about um, putting in a water tank. Basically, it's just a T-joiner, right? Mm-hmm. And you have off, off that T-joiner, so in between your downpipe and your water tank, you've got a pipe that runs between the two. You're going to put a T-joiner in the middle of that and you're going to add a pipe that goes down to the ground. In that pipe is going to be a ball. So basically what happens, it starts raining, all the gunk off your roof and in your gutters is going to go into that pipe first. And then that ball raises to the top, and once it gets to the top of the tee, it blocks the tee off. So then all the water starts diverting into the water tank. And then slowly over time, at the bottom of that uh, pipe, the water just seeps out onto the ground, or if you plumb it back into your um, storm water, it would uh, go into your stormy. So Definitely, yeah, definitely a must, definitely a must be because it just it just helps keep that water quality as as clean as possible. And you know, if you get a bit slack, like all of us do on maintenance, it might just save you. <laughs> yes, yeah, of course. And um, what about a UV filter? A UV filter for for the drinking water? Yeah, look, a UV again. You know, how far do you take it? Cost the costs just add up. So if you've got the budget for it, definitely because then you can just. Basically, you're self-sufficient. You don't even, as long as you're in an area where it rains, as long as you're in an area where you've got good rainfall, you could basically be self-sufficient. But, um, you know, to get the top of the line ones, they, they could be $1,500 plus, Pete, for those UV filters. But that does mean that you, you can drink that uh, rainwater and you, you obviously can use it anywhere throughout your house. For those of us that live closer to the city in, in urban, suburban environments, I mean, this stuff is becoming more and more prevalent. Even though we live close to mains and towns water, we've got to start thinking on this level. That's right. And like some people, Pete, and you're an architect, Pete, you, you tell me, architects might go, I don't want to put a water tank on, on the sign. It's going to make it look ugly. But there's there's different ways of holding water on a property. So, um, you know, there's bladders. So a lot of people have decks coming off their house, which are which are built off a subfloor, a lot of them. So there's dead space underneath, yeah? So yeah. you can actually get a bladder. And the good thing about a bladder is it's d- dispersed weight. So it goes over a lot of yeah. the ground. Well, it's not just in the one area, you know, being 800 by two metres long or something like that. Um, so that means that you, you put these bladders in between your stumps under your deck and, and you can be collecting water that way or you can put them underneath the house. So they've thought of different ways. But again, that's a great tip. It, it is. It's fantastic. So it's just other things that you can look into if you don't want to have the tank on the outside where it's seen. But again, it does always comes down to budget and um, and, and what you want to invest into it. But that's all. You, you, in the end, you're saving water. And um, as I said, we all want to. Um, you know, a lot of us have kids. If not, we got. If you don't have kids, you've got. You know, grandkids. We've got family yeah. that we love. We want to see this country, um, you know, staying, staying sustainable, Pete, and um, and doing our bit for the environment. I reckon, and that's what we need to push. Okay. Well, Ad, I'm absolutely saturated. Fantastic <laughs> ideas on water tanks. Thanks, buddy. Beautiful, Pete. I'm looking forward to uh, catching up next time for a bit of a chat. Uh, hopefully, I can bring some more information. Have you got any ideas for future chats? Uh, yeah, well, I was thinking about flat pack. Everyone loves putting together a flat pack, so throwing, throwing together a few pointers to help them along. Maybe save a few relationships along the way, Pete. <laughs>
<laughs> what are you suggesting, mate? I need all the help I can get. That's it for you. <laughs> Let's put this topic to bed with some tips from Ed. Water filtration in your cooking, Ed. I know you have some thoughts on this. My background is as a baker and pastry chef, and there's rarely a, a bakery anywhere here in Australia that wouldn't uh, have all of their water filtered for bread making. And that's a specific subset of food, but one that I'm so passionate about. So I always lead off. And the reason is that one of the things that you're going to find in regular tap water or even in some harvested waters is residual chlorine. Uh, chlorine's an issue for bread because it interferes with the way in which yeast works. So if you use chlorinated water, like anyone who wants to make a loaf of bread at home, uh, to be honest, I would use bottled water or filtered water for doing that because you're finally going to realise that, yes, you can make bread, you were just using the wrong water. But, you know, generally speaking, and this is where I think it comes down to a difficult discussion, if you're going to have just one kind of water in your house, yes. it's a difficult decision, mate. You know why? Yeah. Well, H two O is H two O, but it's not. not. It's, oh, it's no. not though. That's the problem. I knew you'd throw a curveball. Yeah, we'd all love to believe that the stuff that comes out of your tap mm. is just clear liquid dihydrous oxide. Um, that's the technical <laughs> word. Uh, but it's not. You, you have things um, like what we call TSS, total uh, suspended solids. So that could be things like little bits of dirt or clay or rust or dissolved plastics. Hang on. And this is the water that we've just harvested off the roof. 100%. So, okay. okay. And also gases. So okay, let's start it up at the clouds. Yeah. All right. So it starts raining and the water gets released from the cloud and falls through the sky. As it's falling, it comes into contact with a whole lot of things. Yeah. And those things, they could be dust particles, they could be gas particles. They'll stick to those water droplets yeah. and then it falls on the roof and all that washes down and ends up in the tank. Now, most of them, to be honest, are completely inert. When it hits the roof, depending on what your roof's made of, mm. right? if you've got a slate roof and it's yeah. got a bit of moss over time, well, some of that moss particle is going to head down with the water. If you've got a metal roof, you could get small amounts of dissolved metals and plastics from the joints, and they're going to end up in the water tank. Um, there's a few ways you can get rid of that. Obviously, people can sell you really good filtration units, and a lot of people actually are putting these in at home. They just go under your sink. The thing is, though, you do generally need one for each tap. So that's a bit of an issue because you, know, you might spend a few hundred dollars on one, but what if you've got more than one water source in the it's house? It's adding up. Yeah, what, what sort of choice do you make? There are three great reasons for filtering water if you work in a professional kitchen or if you want to be a better cook at home. Ready? Yep. Reason number one we mentioned earlier, and that is any time you want to be a better baker. Okay, Chlorine affects the way both yeast and in, to some degree flour works. The second thing that uh, dissolved chlorine and fluoride both do is they change the way in which starches cook. So if you ever notice that, for example, pasta cooked in filtered water as opposed to non-filtered water, it has a more beautifully al dente, slick, delicate texture. Seriously? Yeah, you want to be a better Italian cook? Filter your water. And lastly, and probably most importantly, is the flavour. If you worship at the, the temple of taste, as I do, you might want to consider doing anything and everything you possibly can. And if filtering water is one simple way to make your veggies taste brighter and your sauces taste richer and your pasta a little bit more Italian, meh, kind of me in. Well, well and, but if your kid's teeth fall out at the same time, so be it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, we have to balance it out, don't we? We need a filtered system. All of our experts agree on any harvested water you come from off the roof. But just remember, filtering out also means that you're not using the town water, which has that important fluoride ingredient. So, Ed, I'd imagine it's a balance. Have two taps in the house, one that's got the fluoride 
and perhaps one for cooking. Or even if you are going to say you're going to filter all of your water at home, that's all fine, but maybe encourage your kids to drink some regular fluoride-inclusive water when they're out and about. And remember, there are different ways of filtering. Not all of them are actually screen or mesh uh, filters. There's also UV filters out there. So if you've got harvested water and you just want to kill off anything that might be living in there and you can live with a bit of dissolved metal, well, I'll tell you what, you can get a UV filter instead. We've drilled down into water. What are some of the upcoming topics you'd like to touch on? Well, I'll tell you what, next week I thought I would uh, I would dig deep into the, uh, the, the almost... Well, actually, I shouldn't say miraculous, because every time I say miraculous on telly, people tell me that only one person performs miracles, but one that he did perform. Yeah. He turned water into wine. So next week, I'm going to take a leaf out of JC's book. I thought, we've done water. Let's talk wine. You're listening to Better Ideas, a podcast from the Better Homes and Gardens TV gang. Oh, jeez. Sorry, guys. Call you back, buddy, just in the middle of the podcast. Happy to turn it off. And put it on silent. If you're getting schooled by Paul how to use a phone, I'm worried. No, no, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> yes, next week I get schooled by architect and wine importer Paul Jones on how to use my phone. He's from Bebo Wine Bar and he's bringing in his head sommelier, Luella, on all things wine. And now, in my defence, I dropped my phone, smashed the screen, we've all done it, but I've figured it out. Let's get Tara on the line and find out what's happening this week on Better Homes and Gardens. Tara, what are you up to this week? Hey, it, it's all about decorating for me, you know. So this week, just a challenge in a slightly different direction. Everybody hangs mirrors and artwork on the walls. You know, that's normal and that's great. But we were looking for something just a little out of the box. So we whipped up some wall jewellery. So we've mm-hmm. taken inspiration from the jewellery box, necklaces and earrings. And I whipped down to the Plumber's Isle in Bunnings, as you do. Yeah. And found copper and different bits and pieces and the results were absolutely amazing and I think I think people will be so impressed and it's easy so anyone can do this and it's just a little bit unusual so very excited for this story. Wall jewellery. Yeah different different and very modern you know if you if you're a big fan of Pinterest and all those sorts of mediums which a lot of the uh, mm-hmm. the people out there who are creative are mm-hmm. you'll see this kind of stuff all over the place and you can pay a fortune for it so you're a bit handy and you can do a little bit of you know tie a few knots if you've got a few rope knots in there in your skill repertoire and also you know you can cut a few pipes amazing what you can whip up. Okay, so mirror, mirror on the wall, not necessarily the fairest of them all. You've got other ideas on how to decorate the wall. Thanks, Thanks Tars. Pete. <laughs> See ya. Better Ideas is a 7 West Media podcast. Producer, Loretta Farrell. Executive producer, Nikki Hamilton. And I'm your host, Pete Calhoun. You want a better idea? Here's one. Click subscribe on the Acast app and make us part of your weekly podcast playlist. Join me next week for more Better Ideas.